we've learned anything from these past couple of years, my fellow Americans, is that personal medical freedom and liberty are in crisis. America Out Loud Pulse brings together the top experts in healthcare-related fields to keep you a beat ahead. As the late Charles Krauthammer said, showing up is 80% of life. I'm Dr. Marilyn Singleton, and welcome to America Out Loud Pulse, always a beat ahead. The COVID pandemic has brought things out that were boiling under the surface for years. Most people didn't pay any attention to the growing authoritarianism under the justification that, well, it's only for your own good, it's for the good of society. Well, California has become the personification of how to be a tyrant for dummies. Ideology, not science, has taken over the legislature. Lots of people think, well, California, you know, they're the land of fruits and nuts. And what happens in California stays in California. Not true. For example, California approved a plan years ago to require all new cars and trucks and SUVs sold in the state to run on electricity or hydrogen by 2035, and only one-fifth are allowed to be plug-in hybrids. This is, of course, while we're told to shut off our appliances between the hours of three and nine and not plug in your electric cars because we don't have enough energy. Figure that one out. So somehow in 13 years, 30 million cars are supposed to be changed. But here's the important thing here. 17 states, or 40% of all U.S. new vehicle sales, have adopted California's greenhouse gas emission requirements. The state of Virginia is currently trying to undo its 2021 law that said, we're going to do what California does. Well, it doesn't just stop at cars. Cars are objects. They're important to our lives, but they're still objects. California's deranged legislators have come up with authoritarian, ideological, and intrusive bills involving minors, vaccines, and health privacy. They're stunning. And it's one of the things we're going to talk about today. And I'm really excited to have my guest, Amy Bond. She is the co-founder of PERC. And she is going to help stop these legislators from infecting the nation. She's, Amy is one of those moms who I think could take over the world. PERC stands for Protection of the Educational Rights of Kids. And in the spring of 2019, a group of mothers in California came together to fight a bill. It was SB 276 which was mandatory vaccinations just to go to school, public or private. And they decided, no, just say no. And from their small beginnings, PERC now represents tens and thousands of parents and children across the state. Welcome, Amy Bond. 
Hello, Marilyn. It's so nice to be with you today. I love how you started this about the tyrants <laughs> and, <laughs> and the stupidity of the tyrants. It's very true, as we will talk about. Well, I tell you, first, I just think people kind of want to know there's that whole Margaret Mead and all, all these people, people quote about all you need is one person to make a change and change the world. And, but people kind of don't believe it. It's like, well, well, you know, it's a nice quote to say, but to me, you're a good example of passion and, and, and how do I put it, putting the act in activism something gets to you and you decide you have to do something. What was that moment where you decided you had to do something? You know, um, thank you so much for that kind introduction. I'll pay you later. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you know, the truth is I actually really resonate with that Margaret um, quote because I really feel like that's what's happened here. There has been a small group of people who have been doing tremendous things in California and the, the really the a pivotal moment for me that made me just say, I have to do something. I can't not say something, not do something. I uh, was in 2018. It, um, we had just moved to California from Texas. I'm originally from Arkansas. And yes, I'm like one of the only people that live in Arkansas that you may know. No, I'm kidding. There's, <laughs> <laughs> there, there are more people in Arkansas, at least um, there used to be. <laughs> uh, but anyways, so. We moved to California from Texas in 2018 and there was, you know, there's this law SB 277 at the time and then a new law introduced called SB 276. And what it was, is it was going to personally impact my mine and my husband's children. Um, our three kids were going to not be able to go to school if this law passed. And I, in that moment, it was one of those moments where I realized that as their mother, as their parent, if I didn't do something in this moment that, you know, how could I look at my children and say, you know what, I didn't fight for you on this. I didn't do anything. I didn't say anything. Um, I was too scared of what other people would say or whatever stigma would be attached. I just realized I couldn't do that. I had to do something. So it was, I know it sounds so simple, but it was just that crossroads moment realizing that for the sake of my own children, I had to say something, do something. And that's where it all began, started going up to the Capitol um, didn't know what I was doing at the time, just started to get involved. And I kept feeling like there's more that more work that needs to be done here in California. And even honestly, early on in 2019, I had, I had kind of a, a moment where I realized, I think I need to be a leader here. I think I need to do something here. I think I need to help all the children of California, not, and, and not just my own. So you know, we all have those moments where there's crossroads and we could go back to Texas. We could move out of California, especially during the lockdown era. Um, but we've stayed here because I really feel like I'm meant to be here. Wow. And boy, have you done a lot. Tell us a little bit about what Perk is doing. And then we'll talk, we'll kind of just go through one by one some of these bills. So People can keep their eyes open that, again, they're in California, but other legislators pick up on it and they actually copy the language straight out of these bills. It's ready made. They don't even have to think about it anymore. And uh, so first, just tell us what PERC is doing. 
Well, we have gotten very, very involved. So yes, we are fighting many of these extreme bills that have been coming from Sacramento. Uh, but we've also have filed multiple lawsuits in California on behalf of children, parental rights, first responders. So to date, we have six lawsuits. We're probably going to have about two more in addition to that to be um, to make it eight. <laughs> Why not have eight? And, you know, we filed lawsuits. We are fighting legis legislation. We're also planning strategies to try to go on the offensive um, to actually write our own legislation, both at the state level and at the federal level that can be protective of all the entire country. So we're working on some plans and initiatives with that. Uh, we have been very, very involved at the grassroots level in counties um, to help promote, you know, really good, strong leadership and one-on-one -on -one relationships for people in office, city council, anybody who's making decisions, really. We've been helping to engage everyday people into real action that moves the needle, that actually elicits change. Uh, we look, we work with faith leaders and organizations that, you know, work with faith leaders. We're working on, um, you know, just so many projects here in California, but really at the heart of it, Marilyn, are, are three main things. Number one is we have to, we're here to protect children. That's number one is the children are our future, you know, and we have to make sure that we don't allow the problems that we're facing today to go on to the next generation and be passed on to them or their children or grandchildren. So protecting the children is one of our number one missions. Number two is, you know, parental rights. Um, there is, as you know, there is such an assault on the family and particularly parental rights where, you know, it, it's almost as if the state, um, California, for example, thinks that they own your children or the school district thinks they own your children. And that is far from the truth. So we're here to protect those parental rights and we are doing everything we can to protect that. And then number three, we're also, everything we do is also anchored in protecting choice and medical freedom and bodily autonomy and just the basic human rights that we have as, as human beings um, to have choice and choose what goes into our body and be able to, you know, the right to work, the right to travel, the right to an education. These are all the things that we're, we've been focused on and working very hard to protect um, in our communities. Well, I'll tell you, when you were talking about protecting children and California thinking they own the kids, I don't know if there's a bill, and I'll mention this one, and then we'll go through some of the ones that you've just been slogging after. There's one called SB 107, and this is making California a gender surgery sanctuary state. It's kind of, a, they do it through kind of complex legalities which to me seem unconstitutional. In the Constitution, we're supposed to give full faith and credit to contracts from other states. Well, they've decided that in custody problems, that if a parent wants their child to get gender surgery, they can come to California and their kid will get gender surgery. And that California can be the make the kid a ward of the state, which is kind of interesting to me. How are they going to take care of this kid if the kid kind of runs away from home and wants to get gender surgery? So they've decided they're the parent now of a whole new group of kids. It's almost like, well, 
vaccines and medications and ruining your privacy of medical records isn't enough. Now we'll just get involved in um, gender surgery on youngsters who we all know can't really make up their minds for themselves. So I'd like to start with a bill that was written by a doctor, Dr. Richard Pan. He has fashioned himself as the white knight of vaccines. And fortunately, he's termed out of office this session. However, the problem with him being termed out, what does that mean? He'll probably run for some sort of national office. And so this is, one, again, one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this. If we unleash this guy on the nation, watch out. So tell me about one that's called SB 871. Wow, yes. Um, you know, I, I just have to say this as we're going to go through these bills and talk about them. I just can't help but say this one thing, Marilyn, and that is once we start talking about what's in these bills and the fact that any of these bills made it to the light of day and had any kind of traction, including some of the ones that went pretty far and we you know, took a lot of work for us to defeat, the fact that these bills are even on the table and being brought up or on the governor's desk or made it as far as they, they have is an absolute embarrassment to those legislators um, and to the people of California and to the people who any parent across this country, anybody that preserves or loves freedom or liberty, these are the types of bills that are genuinely it is an absolute embarrassment that they have gotten this far. So we've got a lot of work to do. <laughs> so I, just before I go too much on that diatribe, now let's go back to SB 871, which is a good a good starting spot. Um, so yes, Senator Richard Pan introduced this bill, and what this is is it's basically it would it would be a, a bill that would require all children as young as six months old. So we're talking newborn babies up to the age of seventeen to get the COVID vaccine in order for them to attend daycare, public or private schools, uh, or any kind of education. And in addition to that, it the bill itself was set up so that it would remove any kind of personal belief exemptions. And then it disregarded the emergency use authorization status of COVID, that didn't matter. And it was going to allow the California Department of Public Health to add any additional vaccines and any additional doses to the children's schedules without having to go through any kind of due process, legislative oversight, uh, or process to get anything approved. So that's kind of the, that was the heart of that particular bill. Whoa. So basically parents have no say anymore in no, this story. Right. No say, no exemptions, no, you know, I mean, it's very difficult to get a medical exemption in California, but for them to remove to try to move the personal belief exemption, what they're doing is they're trying to make it so basically old children, babies, we're talking six month old, very, very young newborns would be required to get the COVID shot, even though it's still investigational, even though it's still under emergency use authorization, it has not been um, fully licensed or approved past clinical trials. So you and I both know that that is a very serious thing to make that a mandatory requirement for children. Absolutely. Well, after the break, I want you to tell me what's happened with this bill and, and where it sits in the legislature. 
So I just want to thank everybody for listening to America Out Loud Pulse. We have free apps on Apple, Android, and Alexa. You can hear Pulse every weekday at 5 p.m. with an encore presentation at 10 p.m. on iHeartRadio at 8 a.m. the next morning. You can listen on our media player from any web browser anywhere in the world. All shows go direct to podcast in 24 hours, and the episodes are on lots of podcast networks, Apple, Spotify, Pandora, TuneIn, Stitcher, and iHeart. So make it easy. Bookmark americaoutloud.com forward slash pulse. The lineup has me, Dr. Marilyn Singleton, on Monday. We have Tuesdays with concerned doctors, Dr. Jordan Vaughn and Dr. Stuart Tankersley. Wednesdays with Dr. Peter McCulloch and Malcolm Out Loud. Thursdays with Dr. Peter Bregan and Ginger Ross Bregan. And Fridays with Nurse Jody O'Malley. What a lineup. So, and we have a new feature. If you have any questions, send them in at americaoutloud.com forward slash pulse. You already know Genesis plus HOCL is your best defense against viruses. But did you also know it's the most powerful weapon for eliminating airborne mold too? Customers are raving about the Genesis Fogger's ability to tackle mold problems and the bad smells that go with them. And we all know mold is a hazard to your health. There's no airborne invader that Genesis can't handle. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. All right, you've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the pulvinone iodine-based nasal spray Cofix RX. They talk about it because it's a product that actually works in combating colds, flus, and coronaviruses. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. It's simple. By attacking viruses where they incubate, you make it easier for your body to heal. Check out the Cofix RX banner ad on AmericaOutloud.com and save 20%. By using promo code OUTLOUD. Surely if you can't find it here, you can't find it anywhere. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. You can listen in on our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Well, when we left the last segment, we were talking about this hideous bill, SB 781. And now Amy's going to tell us what happened to it. Well, it's SB 871, Maryland, just a oh. minor there. Oh, please, correct me. <laughs> There's so many bills, trust me, uh, we, ha- we get them wrong sometimes as well. But anyways, SB 871. So the great news about that is that there, was so, there were so many organizations that opposed this bill officially through the legislative portal. So many individuals opposed it. So many people 
took action, responded to the calls to action and, you know, our leadership to do something about it. And that bill has been defeated this year. So it was a joy. Uh, you know, we were yelling with the, the victory news of it a couple of months ago. And that's what happened is that bill is currently dead. So it did not pass. Um, it did not go very far either. It, it did. They did try, but we were pretty confident we had it killed even in the initial committee, um, the very first committee it was going to be presented to. Some of our PERC team co-founders had coaching meetings with people who had um, legislators on the very first committee with Senator Pan. And sure enough, the, they were able to convince key legislators, and these are Democrats that they convinced, by the way, that this was not a good bill. Uh, this was not going to be good for the people, for the parents, for the children. And so that bill has been defeated. Thank goodness. Wow. Well, congratulations. But it does show that if we push hard enough, there's some things we can fight and and basically to never give up. Well, what about SB 866? That bill, uh, I'm very glad you brought that one up. So SB 866 the heart of this one is to remove the parent out of the situation related to vaccines and all vaccines. So the intent of the legislator who wrote this bill, Senator Weiner, was to lower the age of consent for all vaccines, including COVID, to the age of 12 initially uh, without parental knowledge or consent. So in other words, children as young as the age of 12 could go to Walgreens, school, multiple places and get vaccinated without mom and dad knowing and without mom and dad's per, um, consent or permission. So that was the, the original bill was written at the age for the age of 12 to be the consent age. However, the senator amended the bill over the summertime to age 15 because he didn't have the votes because we were doing such a good job of killing the bill. <laughs> so <laughs> that was uh, that. But that's it. SB 866. Wow. So now it's on the Senate floor, what being amended. So does it have to go through the whole process again? When, so over the summertime, SB 866, uh, again, it was at the age of 12 at first, but at the end of June, I believe it was, they, um, Senator Weiner amended the bill to age 15. So he had brought it up on the assembly floor for a vote to amend the bill. And they gave him, basically his colleagues gave him the permission to amend the bill. That didn't mean that they were voting to support the bill. Um, and so then he he changed the age to 15. So that's, okay. that's where it was at in June. Okay. Well, now, isn't there one about health information? That one, what is it? 1419? Uh, where... Yes. SB 1419 would seal the medical records of minors. Uh, so their medical procedures, medical treatments, medical records would be sealed from parents. So SB 866 and SB 1419, we knew that they went hand in hand. And that's why uh, whenever we spoke with our legislators and went up to the Capitol many, many, many times, we told them that SB 866 is not just SB 866. It's you're taking the parents out of the equation. There's no parental permission or consent or knowledge. And the medical records of those same children would be sealed from the parents and guardians through SB uh, 1419. Wow. So there you have it. California is the new parent 
of everyone's children. This is sick. It, it really is. Uh, and there's there's another bill. I don't think that I, I shared this with you yet, but there was another bill called AB 1940. And the reason why I bring this up is because what we saw early on is all of these bills are connected. It wasn't just, oh, there's just one or two that are isolated there. This is a connected, coordinated effort to um, really take parents out of the situation. So another bill, AB 1940, and AB, just so people know, AB stands for Assembly Bill. So you have the Assembly House in California, that's the, you know, part of the legislative body, and then you have the Senate. So if a bill is titled SB or AB, it's just titling where it came from in the, the origin or origin house. So AB 1940 is basically setting up health clinics at the schools. So, so imagine this, Marilyn, you're setting up health clinics at the schools. You allow children to consent to medical treatments as young as 12 without mom and dad's knowledge or consent. And you now seal those records from mom and dad while you offer those services at the school without mom and dad even knowing. So a lot of these were, we know that SB 866, the age of consent is a gateway to a lot of these other bills. Do you see? So it's all connected. We're certain, we're sure of it. Well, and it certainly makes sense. And again, it started with the vaccines even before COVID, then COVID just really brought vaccines into the forefront. And then now we have all this gender dysphoria and transgender kids and kids who aren't old enough to really know what they're thinking. Suddenly they can go to a school clinic, get counseling, quote unquote, and their parents may never know about it. And this yes. bothers me almost more than anything else, this idea that parents can't know what their kids are up to. They're children. They're not little adults. They are children, and that's why they need their parents. And the school should be happy when there's parents who are actually involved and parents who want to know. But it seems like these are the kind of parents they don't want around. It's almost like they're more than happy when we've got these kids with absentee parents. That way the school can just take them over. And they seem to resent parents like you who get involved in their school and get involved in the, with the kids. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I also think that you, you brought up SB 107, the gender affirmation or affirming bill. I think the other component of that too, Marilyn, is that... Um, through bills like that, when you put them all together and you see this coordinated, you remove parental consent or knowledge, you seal the medical records from mom and dad, you have health clinics at the school, and then you allow gender, gender changes essentially to happen. And if the parents don't comply with that, then the, the child is removed from the parents. So, I mean, it is setting, it is setting up an entire situation here that is so dangerous because as you and I know, the, the people that are there to protect children are their mom and dad. And having adults be engaging with children, that's really grooming, to be honest with you, just to be straightforward. That is grooming them that somebody in authority has who doesn't have their best interest at heart, who doesn't know their medical history, 
who doesn't know what's best for them, nor who may not care for what is best for them and is potentially part of some kind of agenda, um, is grooming those children to be making decisions away from their parents. I mean, it's just, it is so counterintuitive to what is best for that child, which is their mom and dad, if they're able to have, you know, of course, mom and dad, and sometimes it's grandparents in certain situations or aunts and uncles. But, you know, that's, that's the thing that's happening is, is they're really trying to remove parents out of this completely, while forcing on children, an entire agenda that is not in the best interest of that child. So yeah, that's, that's how I feel about that. <laughs> well, it's the sort of thing it used to be. Ginger Bregan uh, always says, yesterday's conspiracy theory is today's facts. And more and more, that's becoming true. Remember all those quotes from Lenin, give me your children. And, and you know, if I can get the children by the age of five, I'll have them for life all this sort of thing. And it seems like we're following these sorts of patterns. Now, in line with this whole idea of the school clinics and the kids could go to the clinics and the parents can't see their records, there's another one, um, SB 1184. And so the parents can't see the records, but the service plan is this one, it can disclose the child's medical information to another school length service coordinator, you know, whatever those are. So as within the school, your kid's information is being passed around. You as the parent don't get to see it. Right, right. Yeah, that's exactly it. 1184, that was one of the bills that did that so that they can coordinate the services, these medical services and treatments and who knows what else. Uh, away from the parents and the family. So school, school services, connecting with the outside school surf, um, services. And don't forget, sorry, you're probably going to bring this up too, but I think it's relevant right now, is that they wanted to create a database as well. So one of the bills this year in California created also a database and a registry for not only children, but also adults related to their vaccination status. So you've got, I mean, I, I sometimes I'm I'm not speechless in the sense of I've got a lot to say, but I'm speechless that, you know, here we are having to even talk about these bills. That's part of what I was saying in the beginning, Marilyn, that, you know, really that these bills were even introduced and all of them at the same time is a warning and a clarion call to people across this entire country that this is very serious. What's happening in California cannot be something that goes to other, you know, states, it has to be stopped here. And that's why we're here, you know, fighting it. So yes, you brought up that another, another bill that was doing um, coordinating services away from parents. Well, and the sad thing about this, it's almost like they're not thinking medically. Can you imagine a child coming home who had a vaccination, some other kind of shot, they might even gotten an allergy shot, who knows what, they got at school without the parents knowing. They come home that evening, they're having dinner and they start choking or coughing or inability to breathe or have a rapid heart rate. Many things that occur as reactions to various medications or treatments. And the parents have no idea. They're dumbfounded. If they'd known the child got X drug or Y drug or had 
an anxiety attack that day, they might know what to do. They might know what to tell the doctor when they take their child to the emergency room. I And I don't think it's an exaggeration to think that kids could die because of this. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's one one way that that could happen is just, and remember, if a parent has a child coming home, and there have been situations, by the way, that are currently under uh, litigation, that where that very thing happened, the child went to school, the child had medical issues, came home vaccinated with the COVID vaccine without the parental knowledge or consent of the mother, or the father in, the, in these situations, and the child was harmed and harmed severely. So imagine if these bills passed, Marilyn, and if a parent, child's sick, something's wrong, you know, everything that you just described, and then the parent tries to call the doctor or the school to find out what's going on, and then they can't even have access to those medical records because they've blocked the access for that parent based on these stupid, ridiculous laws that are so harmful to children. So yes, I think it's not out of a question that children could, you know, even die from something like this. And not to mention just a practicality here. So if you're a 12 year old and had this bill passed, and we should talk about the result of the bill too, especially SB 866, but had the bill passed, um, a child, practically speaking, could go to Walgreens on one day, go to school on another day and potentially get double vaccinated or triple vaccinated without even, you know, having those services being correctly coordinated because mom and dad are not involved. So even the practicality of it is so such a danger to children that, um, again, you know, these senators and legislators who allowed it to go this far should be embarrassed. Well, they should be more than that. They should be voted out of office. But yeah. this is this is a whole nother story. Why are people so stupid? And they keep the same people in office. But I think they get fooled. They get fooled by the language of it's good for you. It's good for society. It's the greater good. Public health is more important than individual health. There's all these mantras. And uh, COVID was such a wonderful, in a negative way, excuse to come up with all these justifications and it got people trained. I mean, look at what's happened with monkeypox that clearly, and mainstream is finally saying so, is a small group of people are high risk for this problem. It's not a problem that we're all going to run into. And it's something that's not that easy to catch. Yet people now have been trained. And there's some people I've run into, oh, I want my child to get the monkeypox vaccine. And it's like, your child does not need a monkeypox vaccine. They're not going to get monkeypox. But they have people trained now. Wow. It's... Mm -hmm. And people yeah, it, are easy true. to train. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I think the other thing too, I want to also give people hope that are listening, um, you know, because there's the reason why we were able to defeat so many bills, Marilyn, is truly because of, I would say, a couple of key things. Number one, that we were able to transcend party lines. So these issues, many of these bills we're talking about and will continue to talk about 
we defeated so many because we were able to reach across the aisles to both Democrats and Republicans and independents, all walks of life. And it took, it took, I think that how extreme these bills are and, and were to wake up even some of the, you know, I would say, you know, the Democrats in California, because they have so much, so much control of the legislative body, um, that it had to be them that were standing with parents this time and standing on the side of liberty and standing on the side of, hey, this is way too far. We're not going to do that because these bills couldn't have been defeated without having the support of Democrats and Republicans uh, who were fighting this, not voting for them to move forward and not letting it get past even some of the first committees. So I will tell you that that's part of my assessment is it, it really took it has taken everybody to pull off the victories we're seeing here in California. And um, with SB 866, I don't know if it's OK to say it right now of what the outcome of the bill was or if you want. to. Well, that why right. don't you hold that to after the break? We'll kind of be like a TV show and Perfect. we'll leave that as a cliffhanger. <laughs> Okay. I just want to thank everybody for listening. Now, you know that Pulse is always a beat ahead. I love the show and I hope you do too. We've got our free apps on Apple, Android, and Alexa. You can hear Pulse every weekday at 5 with an encore at 10 p.m. and on iHeartRadio at 8 a.m. the next morning. The best part is the shows go direct to podcast in 24 hours, and the episodes are on lots of podcast networks, Apple, Spotify, Pandora, TuneIn, Stitcher, and iHeart. So bookmark americaoutloud.com forward slash pulse. And remember the new feature. If you have any questions, send them in at americaoutloud.com forward slash pulse and we'll get an answer and the question can be to one of the guests uh or one of the hosts and just let us know we're here for you hello i'm ben marble md and i founded myfreedoctor.com as a donation supported faith-based nonprofit with a mission to save lives by delivering free doctor visits to patients in all 50 states of america MyFreeDoctor.com treats a broad range of health concerns like COVID-19, long COVID, sinus infections, urinary tract infections, rashes, medication refills, and more. So please visit MyFreeDoctor.com where we're healing America one person at a time. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's fast-paced digital age makes it tougher. You're not alone. Poor sleep affects over 70% of us. The CDC even labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake refreshed. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep using calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Over a thousand reviews with an average star rating of over 4.4 proves it works. Take back your sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. So, I want to know 
what ultimately happened. Do tell. Okay, so drum roll, please. No. <laughs> so SB-866, I'm gonna say it in two parts because there were so many critical crossroads with that particular bill where we, we really had to kill it early on at the 12 year old age in order for us to finally defeat it at the end here, even though they amended it to the 15 year old age. So the final outcome, spoiler alert, is that we won, we defeated that bill. Uh, it was a tremendous effort that took hundreds of organizations and thousands and thousands of individuals showing up to defeat that bill. So that's the final outcome. But I, I wanna tell you, I wanna say just maybe two or three significant moments along the way, just to show people that this is how you do it, or this is that it can be done. If it, you know, Marilyn, if it can happen in California, if we can win, if we can defeat these kind of bills here, then these kinds of, you know, agendas and bills can be defeated anywhere in the country. Would you agree? Absolutely. Well, look at look at the one that and and then we'll get back to 866 that had to be pulled by the author on my old uh, representative uh, Wicks having uh, vaccination status uh, proof mm -hmm. to be employed. And I think the unions fought back on that one. And God knows California is run by unions. So it's like, hold the phone here. We can't do that. I mean, when you start messing with somebody's uh, livelihood, somehow people start to speak up. And it's interesting that it takes a lot more hoopla to get people to pay attention to kids who are the most vulnerable. But thank goodness for people like you. Anyway, back to 866. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that bill was called AB 1993, uh, yeah. the Wicks, Buffy Wicks bill. Um, but yes, so, uh, so going back to SB 866, there were some really critical junctures. And I, I just wanted to mention a couple of them. So number one, we started to take trips to the Capitol up to Sacramento almost weekly. You know, we were there at committees and hearings and uh, we helped prep even a couple of people who were going to be speaking at those committee hearings, judiciary committee. So that was one, compart uh, one part as we were there, we were present, we were engaging with these legislators. We had, um, we teamed up with with one of the other groups here called Facts Law Truth Justice. And together, she's an attorney. We went up to the Capitol in person, literally had these red folders, Marilyn, we printed them off at the Kinko's and had this illegal analysis that I had written up for Perk. We also had her legal analysis as an attorney. Um, and we brought it in to every single one of those assembly members offices that were significant, gave them our folders, gave them our analysis, gave them our assessment. And let me tell you how impactful that was combined with another component of this. So um, we later, you know, like a week later, we're flying up to the Capitol again. And literally one of the Democrat legislators is sitting in on the airplane next to my friend who had been up at the Capitol with me and we had created these packets. And that Democrat legislator had our folder. She had our folder. She was looking at it. And it had been given to these key legislators. And we knew it was making an impact. It was in her lap, to for heaven's sakes. And uh, so that was a really significant moment to be right there, present. And then what happened, and then I'll tell you another really important crossroad, is that my friend, uh, her name is attorney Nicole Pearson, 
she actually got the Democrat legislator to publicly say that she opposed the bill. So as a Democrat, she was public about it. She went on, you know, live on uh, Instagram with her. And that was like this moment that also caused that, that particular trip to the Capitol. We had other Democrat legislators who publicly started to say no, that they oppose this bill. They are a no. And I'm telling you, it created a ripple effect where then other Democrats said that they opposed the bill. And we had multiple public, op public opposed, um, public no's, we should call it. And that was just a really important crossroad to let send a message to Senator Weiner that you don't have the votes and we know it, they know it, you should know it, you should pull this bill. So that was a really key thing. And then if I could, I want to mention another one. So um, I can, you, you know, I can um, informed consent action network with Dell Bigtree, uh, attorney Aaron Siri. They're just a phenomenal, a phenomenal organization. I, yeah, I have the yes. utmost respect for what they do and the work they do and the high wire. And they, they teamed up with Perk and we were so grateful for this particular moment. They teamed up with Perk and attorney, their attorney, Aaron Siri wrote a letter on behalf of ICANN and Perk. And that letter was an official legal letter, Marilyn, you understand as, as a lawyer, an official legal letter that basically addressed the governor all the assembly members, all of the committee members in these upcoming, you know, Senate and assembly committees. And the letter stated that the bill SB 866 was illegal, that it was violating federal law, and that if they moved forward with this bill, that ICANN and PERC were prepared to sue them <laughs> to litigate. <laughs> and so I want to tell you, I think that that was such an incredibly significant moment and crossroad with defeating this bill because that was in May. And what it did is it defeated the bill at the 12 year old stage and it, um, the age, and it showed all of those legislators that the bill was illegal. So even if they had some emotional reason, a social reason or whatever reason they wanted to create for why they wanted to support the bill, the fact that it was illegal on its face, it was violating federal law and attorney Aaron Siri and ICANN made that so clear, as clear as day, uh, I really think that it made them think twice and set a it, it set a tone about this bill early on that it was going to die one way or another. Either we were going to defeat it in the courts uh, or we were going to defeat it like we did, which was full court press, pressure, 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 you know, legal, th legal threats, you know, legal action is coming your way if you don't you know, if you could keep this bill going. And then just this knowledge we pushed forward to the legislators that, you know, it was illegal. And then we, you know, had personal conversations with them. Then they publicly were coming out with these no's. So I just wanted to mention that. I think that that, I, that moment with ICANN teaming up with PERC was so significant to defeat this bill. Well, absolutely. And let's face it, whether these legislators really care about the kids or not is probably secondary. They care about getting elected to office again. And California does have term limits, but these people recycle themselves. First, they're in the Assembly, then they're in the Senate, then they run for state controller, then they run for secretary of state. They, you know, they find another office to run for, insurance commissioner, whatever, and they want to keep on running for office. So they're looking at what's good for the goose. 
and uh, not to be so cynical, but sometimes I think they could give a darn about the kids, us, or anything else, that it's all a way to get elected and keep themselves in power. Yeah, I I think you're absolutely right. (laughs) And actually, there were some legislators that we knew early on were voting to oppose some of the bills, even the ones we've talked about previously, 871, 1993, all these other ones. They actually were, they're going, they're going to be up for election. You're absolutely right, Marilyn. And they, uh, some of them are making lateral changes. So they're going to be, you know, going from a, a assembly member or senator to try to be a board of supervisor in their county. So these types of political moves and career moves most certainly had something to do with their votes on these bills. And the reason why is because for the first time in medical freedom history, I would say, with everybody waking up during the lockdown, there, there is an awakening happening and we have power now, meaning the people, the people are the ones that are actually showing these you know, legislators, showing these senators that if you don't stand with the people and the parents in many of these situations and the employees, we are going to vote you out of office. We're actually going to run for your seat. And that's what's happening in many of these districts in California is people are, you know, getting into politics, running in office for offices that they never had thought they would before, because at the heart of it, the power of the people is greater than the people in power. And if we remember that, then that's when change happens. Well, here's one change that we have to talk about because this is on the governor's desk. And this is AB 2098. This is getting national attention. This is being able to discipline a physician for so-called disinformation or misinformation. Mm -hmm. And this, to me, is getting right to the heart of medicine, right to the heart of medical judgment, where they're describing misinformation that's information that's contradicted by contemporary scientific consensus. I mean, my goodness, scientific consensus has never been something that we use to treat. Yes, you look at what studies show, but the individual patient in front of you might be quite different. Not only that, consensus changes and it can change on a dime, starting with hand washing. Who would think that hand washing was controversial? The person, Ignaz Semmelweis, who said you should wash your hands before, after you do an autopsy and before you go deliver a baby was vilified. He was made fun of. He ended up in a mental institution. The person who discovered ulcers were caused by a bacterium and not spicy foods, vilified. Five years later, he got the Nobel Prize. And when it comes to COVID, my goodness, just a couple of, oh, just very recently, days, week ago, a study came out, multi-medical center study on 18 to 29 year olds that showed that the risk of a COVID vaccination outweighed the benefits. Now, this is a complete turnaround from a year ago. So how can you sit there and say you're gonna discipline a doctor and call it misinformation just because the doctor is giving the patient a broad description of what 
whatever the treatment might be, the theory of COVID might be, that's the doctor-patient relationship. And this bill is on the governor's desk. And don't think that the governor won't sign it. I mean, you have been instrumental in so many medical organizations, not the California Medical Association, I might add, have been sending out calls and emails and whatnot, trying to get the governor to veto this. I worry because the California Medical Association was who was the governor's guest at his famous dinner at the French Laundry, his $425 a plate dinner, including wine, um, during the COVID lockdown, no masks, and they're yucking it up with CMA, California Medical Association lobbyists, and they were for this bill. So somehow, I don't think he's not going to sign it, but this is something people need to be aware of. Now, the good thing with the 2098, even if we have this in California, there's 17 states that have passed bills that are opposite to that, that are saying doctors can't be disciplined for giving information that's considered alternative when it comes to treatment of COVID. So that's my diatribe on 2098. <laughs> As you have every right and should you know, share what you shared. I mean, yes, I, I think Marilyn, I think AB2098 is out of all the bills that are left. This is an absolute travesty if it passes. Uh, again, it's not done yet. It is on the governor's desk, but you nailed it. Everything that you said is just spot on. You know, the, the fact is, okay, let's talk about two things here. Number one, the fact that this bill is even being presented shows everybody that there are special interest groups involved for it to, it to it have um, even gotten this far as well. So California Medical Association, you know, what role does the California Medical Board have in this? The fact that they're supporting it and even vocally on social media making some comments. I mean, that tells you a lot. Um, but I think, you know, let, let's go to some of the problems with it. And if a bill just passes, it's essentially setting a dangerous precedent that it's elite. Think about that, that it's illegal for doctors to treat patients to their discretion. You know, that's what this bill is really going to be doing, this misinformation, disinformation. And then on top of that as well, uh, as you know, there's a 17 year gap between new treatments, best practices that actually reach the average physician to become the standard of care. So the way that they've built this bill to uh, be all about the standard of care and, you know, following the government narrative. Well, a government narrative isn't true medicine. What that really is, is, is political science. That's not science. That's political science at its best. So I think that those are some of the issues uh, with the bill. Not to mention, not to mention the fact that in California, uh, there's already a doctor shortage so Marilyn, you, you know, you probably know about this as well, but California, I read a recent report because I'm sending this information to the governor <laughs> as a reason for him to veto the bill, but California faces one of the most um, severe declines and shortages for doctors. The projection is that in the next 10 years, they, um, they project that 
let's see how what's the projection shortfall of 4100 doctors will be that they i, I can't remember my no, notes here if it's 4100 that will um, they'll only have 4100 doctors or if that will be how many people will leave i don't i can't remember my notes but mm -hmm. the problem is that there's a shortage right yes and so bills like this just create more of a shortage why would any doctor in california want to stay if a bill like this passes so, I mean, the healthcare workers, you know, they've already faced so much of a, so many issues during COVID and lockdown and mandates. So I feel like we won't be left with any good doctors in California. <laughs> well, let's hope that's not the case. Well, what we are left with are some good activists. Will you tell people how they can find you and your organization, Perk? Yes. So people can find us online at uh, on our website which is perk-group.com p-e-r-k-group.com and then people can also find us on instagram and social media which is perk underscore group so just that's that's how you find us but and uh, you've got to know this too we are being censored so severely Marilyn. From the moment that we started to fight these bills, these lawsuits, all the work we're doing, um, we're being shadow banned. People can't tag us. Our posts are getting deleted. PayPal recently uh, deleted our account with them. So it you only do that when you think an organization is poking the bear or you know is a threat to some kind of you know establishment or something. So. We're doing amazing work. My team is amazing. And that shows you how amazing we are because we are getting censored and canceled um, with financials as well. So any support that people can offer, we actually do appreciate that. Well, thank you so much for giving us your time. And uh, I hope you'll come back because there's always more work to do. So thank you so much, Amy. Thank you, Marilyn. Thank you for having me. I've loved talking with you as I always do. And for my listeners, thanks for listening to America Out Loud Pulse. And all you already know, we've got the free apps on Apple, Android, Alexa. Every weekday at 5 and Encore at 10, you can hear us. And then on iHeartRadio at 8 the next morning. All shows go direct to podcast in 24 hours. The episodes are on lots of networks, Apple, Spotify, Pandora, TuneIn, Stitcher, and iHeart. So please bookmark americaoutloud.com forward slash pulse. So whether you agree or have other opinions, please share the show. So until next week, say it loud, I'm free and I'm proud.